This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And welcome back. Hour two of two officially underway here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Appreciate you listening in. And before we get to the Fave 5 picks to click, I'll do a little mea culpa here and say that I should have mentioned this during the 10, 15, no, 915 segment, excuse me, 1015's segment where I talk about the NFL. But 915, I meant to mention about what's going on in the Gulf and tracking the tropics, if you will, because obviously we always are looking at it. But I think there's one in particular that we don't quite know exactly how it's going to go right here, right now, because it's still a little bit too far out. At this moment, that's Tropical Storm Ian. There are projections. Cone of uncertainty has the state of Louisiana completely out of it. But as anybody who knows storms and who has kept tabs on this stuff like crazy over the last several years, you never count anything out until that thing crosses where Cuba is. Once it crosses Cuba, then you have more of an idea of what's going to happen. Now, based off of the projections, the cone of uncertainty is just hitting the state of Florida. So as of right now, we're in the clear. We'll be keeping tabs on it over the next couple days. I think by Monday, we'll have more of a definitive idea of where this thing is at and where this thing is going. Again, I'm no meteorologist, not trying to play one, but based off of what I've seen in the past and trends, a lot like in the world of sports betting, trends definitely tell you what's going to happen and speaking of betting trends it's time to kind of get this party started in hour number two and boy oh boy i have got bold predictions for this weekend the world famous cd always has his eyes on the lines out in las vegas hit me 20 hit me 21 hit me 22 here's his five favorite bets for the weekend will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I got to start off this before we get to this week's picks. And by the way, this week's picks are me throwing some weight around with those picks. But we'll talk about that in a moment. So first things first, last week's parlay was a gut punch And then another gut punch Sunday night. Why do I say it was two gut punches? Well, I'll go ahead and break it down. So Oklahoma had the money line on that contest against Nebraska. I wasn't necessarily sure if them covering the spread was a feasible thing. Just that spread was in a a weird flux. And I had the fact you have Mickey Joseph taking over for Scott Frost. I thought maybe they would have been a little more competitive. Ole Miss, the uh, the under did indeed cash. It was a 42-0 win over... Georgia Tech. The Detroit Lions got a win over the 
Washington Commanders. That felt like an easy, easy pick, to say the least. Houston Texans cover the 10-point spread against the Denver Broncos. That's another. It was pretty easy to go ahead and determine that. The one that missed was the first leg. And again, the first leg of the parlay breaks. Everything else falls apart. It don't matter. But this was an absolute gut punch at 11 o'clock, or actually around 1 o'clock, because I think when I got home, you had Stetson Bennett throw a second touchdown of the game, and they get pulled because it was a complete blowout against South Carolina. The over-under for passing touchdowns for Stetson Bennett was 2.5. 2.5. All I needed was 3. And spoilers, what happened? You had the over, not cash, and was under two and a half. Had two touchdowns. Had a rushing touchdown, but no third passing touchdown. Definitely upset me, but again, we fight for these opportunities. We learn, and we move on, and hopefully win more money. And this week's pick to click in a five-leg parlay, if this hits, I think we all go to Sizzler after. Because this is a incredible one. And mind you, I guess I just got that dog in me this weekend because we're picking some dogs to win. The first one, we're not picking a dog to win, but I think it's definitely a game that could be an underdog upset special. It's the Florida Gators versus the Tennessee Volunteers. Florida currently listed as 10.5 point dogs in the contest. I think this is a competitive ball game. I think Tennessee does indeed win. But Florida gets a little backdoor cover action in there. Again, 10.5, I think it's very, very feasible that a 10-point loss for the Gators is looming, and that would be great news for you sports bettors at minus 110. Then we get to Arkansas A&M. People know I'm not a huge fan of the Aggies, especially with Jimbo Fisher at the helm. This is a golden opportunity for a big upset and a huge statement win, I think, for Sam Pittman. And more importantly, just to further kind of fuel the fires of maybe Jimbo Fisher getting out of that big old contract they'd have to buy out. So for me, I'll go Arkansas at plus 110 there. Then we get to a team from North Carolina. I got to go with Notre Dame over the North Carolina Tar Heels. Again, I got a text from somebody saying, CD picking some dogs. I said it. I got the dog in me this weekend. We picking some dogs. Little Tim Allen there for you. So we got Notre Dame. I got to go with the Fighting Irish getting the dub over the Tar Heels. And we got two more dogs on the line. And again, it's two teams. I just, I feel like they are a little bit of a mess. The Houston Texans and Die Bears. The Bears with Justin Fields, they are they're they're fine. But I feel like what I've seen from the Texans, they are exceeding expectations, outkicking their coverage, if you will. Yes, they opened up the season with a tie, but they competed against the Denver Broncos last weekend, 16 to 9. They're 0-2 to start the season, but I think they're performing better than a lot of us expected. And you're playing against the Chicago Bears team that honestly doesn't feel like they should be a favorite in the ballgame. They got, they barely beat a 49ers team in one of the sloppiest season opening games I've seen in a long time. So I think there's a very good chance 
that the Texans do beat the Chicago Bears. And then we get to, speaking of those 49ers, you've got Jimmy G. He's back in the saddle after Trey Lance. And we're going to talk about those 49ers and how much of a bleep show that's been. The 49ers are taking on the Denver Broncos right now. You've got Jimmy G back in the saddle. No George Kittle anywhere to be seen, currently out with a groin injury. No Elijah Mitchell. Hopefully Ty Davis Price shows up in his baby beast mode like everybody hoped he would be at LSU. Not necessarily – didn't necessarily live up to hype compared to what everybody talked to about him like. Not like a guy like CEH Clyde Edwards-Alaire who had some good plays a couple weeks ago. But they're playing the Denver Broncos. A Broncos team that two weeks ago absolutely bleeped the bed and then some. They made a mess of clock management to the point where I think even Les Miles agreed. It was disagreed with their play calling or time management. But they did get a win last week against the Texans. I think the Denver Broncos can get a win here. That's at plus 100 odds. And again, if you ride with me, and hell, if you fade with me, you could probably wind up getting some big bets and some decent money. If you go full-blown George Costanza, I think you wind up getting some money, but not as good as what you get on this parlay. $5 parlay. You know how much that cash is, DeWitt? You know how much that cash is, Acadiana? $198.24. If you want money, if you want to take your bank account and your pay in your not bank account, but maybe your your bank roll to the moon, go ahead and take this advice. $198.24. I think that's the way this bad boy indeed goes. Now let's get to the teams that I don't want to pick to click. Not because I think they're bad any other thing but there's a reason why we've talked about it before on this program it's the fact that if you bet for your team be it the louisiana raging cajuns the lsu tigers you are going to be probably disappointed and also the fact that you know you don't want to you one of the big rules a lot like dealing with fantasy football you never bet on your teams you bet on other teams That way you don't feel as much of a stake and you can enjoy a game without feeling doubly stressed. Mind you, the Saints always put you under stress and under pressure. We'll start with them taking on the Carolina Panthers, sharp teeth and claws and all. Currently, the Saints are two-and-a-half-point favorites in the contest, which I'm definitely surprised about. Again, this is a Saints team last week that could barely score a touchdown to save their life. It took garbage time touchdown to at least somewhat make it competitive then you have the carolina panthers they are currently a slight plus 110 underdog and they have cmc the cmc music factory is indeed back in action he was taken off the injury list i believe on thursday so that's something to keep an eye on if you want to kind of look at some of those parlays or better yet anytime touchdown scores or some of the other little different lines because right now you have plus 100 odds on Christian McCaffrey to score a touchdown. That's that's one I would gladly take if I were actually putting money on that. 
Then we get to a couple other little fun props. I would 100% take the under on 221.5 for Jameis Winston. And it's more because of the fact that that offensive line, we keep saying it, is trash. Like, I cannot endorse that offensive line. And I think Jameis Winston, hopefully he can be 100%. That ankle injury is a little bit of a question mark. I probably wouldn't place any money on that right here, right now. The over-under of this game, by the way, is 41 on the button. So I think there's a chance that an under does hit between these two teams, but I probably would more lean towards the over, depending what we hear about Jameis Winston. If Jameis Winston is listed as an active, go ahead and take that 41 and ru- under 41 and run with it. If Winston's there, I think 42 is feasible between the two teams. That's where I'm kind of landing there. And hell, it's mind-blowing to see some of the alternate spreads are like plus 15 either way and a plus fit minus 15 for the saints it, oh yes minus 15 for the saints is plus 408 if you want to go ahead and take some big risks that's one i probably wouldn't do but if you want to have fun with it why not in eight hours from now we have the lsu tigers taking on new mexico the lobos and there's no money line on this is the line is too damn high. 31 point favorites are the LSU Tigers over under at 45. I'd say if you do want to put some money on this game, do put the money on LSU winning outright. Oh, no, they can't, but I would definitely take the over on that and the over on Jaden Daniels passing yards at 188 and a half. In terms of the 31 point spread, I probably would stay away from that because, again, I feel like there's 30-plus point spreads that I'm not necessarily – like any of those spreads, I'm not necessarily sure I'm willing to take that money and put money on that kind of line. But in terms of over-under, I think 45 is 100% a feasible thing. Look what they did two weeks ago against Southern. That's a game that they shouldn't have won by that large of a margin. Again, that's just me. Now we get to the ULM side of things, and it's the in-state rivalry. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns taking on the Monroe Warhawks. Cajuns currently 9.5-point favorites, minus 350 on the money line, over under a 51. Personally, I'd take the under on the first half of 26.5, and nine and a half, I feel like that spreads about right. But I would lean towards the Cajuns winning that. If I see an alternate spread, and I don't see one, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. These game, these kind of lines don't all... Oh, no, never mind. The max line that you can put on DraftKings is 13 and a half on the Cajuns. I would probably take that. Because I think this is a two-touchdown game. So I take ULM... At minus 180, a 13.5-point spread. If I were putting money on the game, again, I do not advise taking bets on teams that you openly root for, but it feels like I'd much rather take 13.5 points on a dog like that rather than 9.5. I think it is a potential two-score game, two-possession game where it's 10 points. I think 14 is a little bit more in that wheelhouse 
but I'll always lean towards a ULM plus 13 and a half because I think a 10 point ball game is more in the cards than a 14 point win for the Cajuns tonight. Hopefully it is a win. If not, I think there's going to be a lot of people and to a certain extent, it'll be more justified on the side of fans that aren't necessarily liking what they're seeing with the vermilion and white we're gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout got ross jackson coming on the program at the bottom of the hour in the meantime and in between time i'll talk about the nfl and what i've seen from the first two weeks of the season because i am definitely surprised to say the least not just with some of the teams going up but definitely with the teams going down back after this on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are laughing. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We get your chance to win some VIP tickets with a 13th gate giveaway. It's spooky season, so it's time for you to face your worst nightmares. And trust me, if you are a betting person, maybe some of those picks to click I dropped in the last segment, that's your worst nightmare. But if you want to get yourself scared even more, we got your chance to win some VIP tickets to the legendary haunted house attraction that you can scream at over and over again while other people have to wait in line like some normies. Simply sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today to score a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th gate courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Appreciate you listening to the show. And, hey, we got Ross Jackson coming on in about seven or eight minutes. So I'm going to get to my thoughts on what happened in the last two weeks with the NFL. I've got just some quick ideas and some thoughts to put together. First off, the San Francisco Niner, San Francisco 49ers, and it's great to see as somebody who isn't necessarily a huge fan of them, not as bad as our guy Foot hates them. I'm just more of a guy who just can't stand them. But this team is forever cursed. The last two weeks, you've had George Kittle out for one reason or another. Obviously, the groin injury is a lot worse than they let on. Then you have Elijah Mitchell get injured, injures his knee week one. So he's likely done for the bulk of the season. Then the great Trey Lance that everybody was hyping up like crazy. I kind of saw it. I was like, okay, I'm interested. And again, it's another thing. Destroys his ankle. So he's done for the year. It's make me convinced that this 49ers team is cursed to forever have Jimmy G as their guy. I, I hope Trey Lance recovers and is able to bounce back in 2023. But my God, it stinks to see that happen with these players. Again, Trey Lance, a star out of North Dakota State, one of the Shining stars of that 2021 NFL draft that was loaded with talent, namely, obviously, Trevor Lawrence was the guy everybody was talking about. And he's done well. Like, it's crazy to think how much 
a difference a year makes with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've done well. I think Trevor Lawrence is getting better. Travis Achan's healthy. That helps out a lot. Meanwhile, one team that's kind of suffered from a Super Bowl hangover has to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Since his appendix was removed, Joe Burrow is 0-2 as a quarterback. And here's the thing. He easily had a chance to be 1-1, but now you're sitting at 0-2. And in the all-too-short history of this new playoff format the NFL is doing, if you're 0-2, more likely than not, you're not making the playoffs. Now you are moving forward into a potential 0-3 situation. This is a like definition of must-win game when they take on the Miami Dolphins. And this isn't like your slightly younger brothers Miami Dolphins team. This is a Dolphins team that is 2-0 and damn good 2-0 wins. You fought hard last weekend against the Baltimore Ravens, came away with a really nice win, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. And then they absolutely trounced the New England Patriots. I think Bill Belichick may be done after this year. It just feels like this team is starting to get washed, and he's getting a little tired. They barely beat a Pittsburgh Steelers team that desperately needs to get rid of Mitch Trubisky and give Kenny Pickett the bleep in football. I think that by the end of the year, Kenny Pickett is indeed starting but I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And get rid of Matt Canada's ass as the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. People who follow LSU know all too well how crappy of an offense he ran at LSU. Overall, on a lot of jet sweeps and definitely a little gimmicky stuff. But I cannot stand seeing this Steelers team that has been good for years, even though sometimes I feel like they just were good by happenstance. That team, the Steelers, they aren't the Steelers that we're used to. The Bengals, they devolved to the Bungles. I think with a lot of it, it's because of the offensive line. It feels like a broken record. No matter what they keep adding to their offensive line, they've added elite talent, but it just isn't working out. Hopefully, they turn it around again. Foot likes to call it preseason. I'm not of the belief there's a preseason in that in that sense. You've got to get it right, and you got to get it right now. The one thing I'm blown away about is the New York football giants. Who had on their bingo card in 2022 that the Giants would be 2-0? and oh. Yes, it was highly competitive ball games against fair to middling teams like the Tennessee Titans and the Carolina Panthers. But you don't mean to say that the Giants are a 2-0 and team with Danny bleeping dimes? They have a real test on Monday Night Football, which you can hear right here on the game on Monday night, against the Dallas Cowboys. But I think even then, they could make that NFC East, which has been for years the laughing stock and the meme of the NFL, actually be competitive. Because right now, the Eagles are a team that's looking good too. And I bring up the question, are the Giants actually good? We'll find out that answer on Monday night. The Eagles, I think we already know where they're at. And right now, they've got a pretty easy slate because you've got the Commanders tomorrow. I think that's an easy win because the Commanders are just bad all the way around. They barely got a win over the Jags to open up the season. Then they play the Jags 
on October the 2nd. So I think right here, right now, they could easily be 4-0, and the Eagles, which is crazy to think about. But Jalen Hurts is turning that franchise around, which is a great thing to see. And I got to say, I brought up the Dolphins earlier, and I'll take a break after this. The Dolphins, more importantly, Tua Tungavailoa, he is controlling his narrative and changing it. And it's great to see. Because for so long, I think a lot of people, to a certain extent, were just hating on a guy like that. Oh, he can't throw far. He can't throw the deep ball. That went against the Baltimore Ravens. He was slinging that deep ball like nobody's business. I would love, 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 love to see him continue to prove people wrong. He's a guy I want to see kind of get over that hump and more importantly, get some wins on the board. One other guy or team I should be talking about is the Atlanta Falcons. Because I don't know if you saw this or not last week. Mind you, I'm sure a lot of people were more focused and frustrated on one. And it still just boggles my mind that this actually happened. But at one point, the Atlanta Falcons were down 28 to 3. If you know me well enough, that number is damn near ingrained into my brain. And it will forever be ingrained in my brain as the number of the Falcons. This time they were down 28 to 3 against the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders. Can't believe I messed that up. But you have the Las Vegas Raiders damn near choke away a lead that the Atlanta Falcons were made famous for. They could have very well have controlled their narrative and flipped the script and said, hey, we're not blowing leads anymore. Turns out they blow momentum as well because they blew that ball game and it was disappointing as all get out. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk with Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. He'll be joining the program next Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And we want to help you with your date night blues. Trust me, my date night blues, they can't be helped. But we can help you out by going to the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com because you can be a member of our rewards club. And once you do, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But guess what? You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. We won't spam you with a bunch of emails. So go sign up today. 
And now we got on the game hotline our good friend, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, contributor for the Saints Wire, and also part, which is part of the USA Today Network. And he is calling in from North Carolina, our guy Ross Jackson. Ross, what's happening, brother? Hey, brother. Doing great, man. Doing great. Glad to be here with you, buddy. Appreciate you having me on. All right. First things first, what did you notice from Jameis Winston this past Sunday when he was throwing those interceptions? Do you think there was a little bit too much of an over-reliance on the deep ball from him? Because I think that was definitely the biggest thing that I noticed in that loss, where he just kept kind of being a lot like Drew Brees at certain points in those lean seven and nine years. And was trying to little put put a little bit too much muster on those passes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that there were a couple of uh, kind of you know one of the things that that Jameis talked about a, a while back uh, when he you know spent time with both Drew and with Sean uh, during you know their time overlapping during that 2020 season, 2019 season uh, was or 2020 season was uh, you know him learning from Drew about making the right play is better is more important than making the big play. And I think that there was a lot of shot taking and kind of looking at making the big play uh, this past weekend. And, and honestly, you know, the three interceptions, those passes looked to be the right decisions based upon his throwing lanes where he had, you know, open receivers, things like that. Those just became ball placement, right? A little bit further to the outside of the Alave throw maybe helps to throw him open as opposed to giving Jamel Dean time to recover uh, you know, he sailed the pass to Juwan Johnson, who was breaking open over the, the right, uh, or excuse me, the left sideline, kind of like the same pass we saw him complete to Jarvis Landry during the preseason against the Chargers. And then the pass to Jarvis, and then the, the pick six that was intended for Jarvis Landry. If that goes low and outside, it's a completion, but it went high and inside and gave Edwards the opportunity to fight for it. But so it became kind of ball placement stuff, which kind of felt like to me, particularly in the overthrow something that maybe the back could have impacted a little bit. You're not getting the torque you usually get. You're not getting the twist that you usually get in terms of your mechanics at your waist and with your hips. And so you're overcompensating with a little bit more push in the arm. And that ends up sailing some passes sometimes. So I thought for the interceptions, the, the selection was actually made sense. But there were the other passes that ended up being pushed downfield that were incomplete, you know, nine different or 12 different, excuse me, 13 different targets. The Chris Olave, the majority of them downfield, some of those you could have come down a level or two and been able to, uh, you know, make a completion and pick up some extra yardage uh, on the, the easier sort of lower percent or higher percentage throw. And one of the other things, Ross, that I was kind of noticing in that ball game was the run game just at certain points it was there, but then you have Mark Ingram fumble the football. I think obviously that was the pivotal moment of that ball game. Do you think that was just more because you didn't have Alvin Kamara there to where you had that you didn't have that boom and zoom like you normally do? Yeah, I think that, you know, having Alvin Kamara obviously gives you, you know, a completely different sort of dynamic to your run game that you get to mix in that you're not going to have with the other guys in the locker room. And you don't really have a one-for-one replacement with Alvin Kamara within the committee. Because you even know you know that even with Alvin Kamara in the lineup, you're going to see some of the other guys get mixed in. But if you don't have Alvin Kamara, it's not as simple as a one-to-one replacement. You kind of end up replacing his production with multiple backs, hence why you saw carries for guys like Tony Jones Jr. as well as Dwayne Washington. And so, you know, I thought that with Alvin Kamara in the lineup last week where the offensive line was doing a good job in the run game, that maybe you would have seen you know, a few more of the explosive plays, the breakaway runs, things like that, that Alvin Kamara could generate for you that you just didn't see uh, with the other guys. But 
you know, once you kind of had that fumble there where, you know, the, the Saints had four first downs their very first drive, and for the next five or six drives they had a cumulative of four first downs. That fumble on that fumble by Mark Ingram was that drive's fifth first down that they had converted, and then he had the fumble that turned it over. So just when you're starting to pick up a little bit of a rhythm there, you end up giving the ball back to uh, back to Tampa when you're in striking distance, right? They were within their own uh, 15 at that point. So I think that that ends up stifling you a little bit. That ends up being a big game-changing moment that you know you hope you don't see repeated for a third week in a row, for sure. Uh, but hopefully, having you know, with the hope of having Alvin Kamara back this week, which seems to be, you know, all signs seem to be pointing to that being the case at least, uh, then they should be in a, a better place in terms of what they should be able to put together and take advantage of in the run game. You bring up injuries, and one thing that's standing out is Jameis Winston, not just dealing with a back injury, but also an ankle injury. Do you think he's going to miss time this weekend, or does he kind of continue to tough it out? Because I think that's kind of the direction he's going with a lot of these injuries, and it makes me kind of question whether or not by week eight he's going to start looking like Jake Berman from Little Giants when he put the mattress around his body. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the ankle injury didn't, you know, from what I saw in practice at least, which, again, it, it isn't a ton. We only see, you know, 30 minutes of practice, and it's usually kind of like walkthroughs, stretch, individual drills, things like that. But I didn't really see, like, a discernible limp on him or anything like that. You know, the ankle injury. I know the New Orleans Saints have just been really, really cautious about injuries over the course of the offseason and this season thus far. So for me, the biggest concern is still the back, although apparently there's no risk of um, you know further injury or, or, or worsening the injury, apparently, when it comes to that, which is kind of shocking to hear when you're talking about a back injury, right? I, I think of a back injury, and I think of you know, that just being like about as bad as it can get, you know, possibly. But it seems that you know, the, the Saints feel comfortable with, what, with where that is. And uh, you know, to, to an extent, once you kind of go through – you know, the medical process and everything, the only thing you can do is go out there and see what happens on the field with it, you know. And so that could just be part of the process in terms of where they are right now. And so they'll get a look at, you know, they've gotten a look at them over the course of practice, and certainly they'll be keeping a close eye on it all throughout the game, and then they'll make the the right decisions based upon what's best for the team, based upon that performance or how that performance is limited, um, you know, if there is any type of limitation coming at all from from any of those injuries. But it's sort of a get out on the field and and, and see where you are kind of a situation. Going back to last week's game, I meant to ask this earlier, but I kind of forgot, Ross. Talking right now, Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast, contributor for Saints Wire, part of the USA Today Network. But the Mike Evans one-game suspension, do you think that was justified? Do you think maybe he could have gotten a little bit more because of his past offenses? Yeah, I think that I was surprised that he only got one, considering that back in 2017 when he did basically the same thing he was given a one game suspension then um you know it would have made sense to give him a two game suspension or you know more of a suspension at this point considering it's kind of a repeat offense but uh, also it's been five years since that back in 2017 right so you know i think that there have been sort of you know scrapes and and, and scraps here and there but you know there wasn't anything as egregious since 2017 as what we saw Last weekend, so maybe the the you know the league took that into account or, or whatever it may be. But it'll just be interesting to see if the behavior does continue, um, and it'll be interesting to see you know in, in future games if he's the guy that ends up getting a target getting targeted a bit more by opposing DBs because they know they can get him to that place, uh, and that can be a, a detriment for for him, and of course detriment for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as you know probably the second best receiver on that team behind Chris Godwin. But when Chris Godwin's out, then you know, he's your number one guy. 
Oh, exactly. I think it's obvious that the Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore mm. kind of war between those two, that's a never-ending thing. That's very much Hatfields and McCoy-esque. And I'm right. sure yeah. like there I'm sure Marshawn Lattimore was probably a lot like Shooter McGavin and Happy Gilmore saying after he saw the one game suspension, he's like, kick him off the tour, Doug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, Marshawn probably has the, you know, probably the uh, most sort of, you know, intimate perspective on this out of, out of anybody, of course, because he's been the one that's sort of been, you know, the the target of uh, Mike, Mike Evans' sort of, you know, anger uh, in these games or, or frustration in these games. And so he always seems to end up on the short end of the stick with it all. But, you know, what I was glad to see was that there was no further discipline for, for Marshawn Lattimore. I didn't really understand the decision to eject Marshawn Lattimore as someone that was, you know, uh, was first of all hit uh, by Leonard Fournette and then, and then effectively attacked by Mike Evans yeah. uh, at all. But, you know, you, I guess you got to do what you got to do in those situations. And the NFL, in, in more cases than just on field, tends to go after. Uh, you know, responders as opposed to going after aggressors. And so I think that that's just part of what we just come to understand in terms of what the penalty is going to be on the field, that they always go for the guy that hits back as opposed to the guy that, you know, initiates the, uh, the altercation and everything. So I wasn't surprised about Leonard Fournette, but I, that, you know, that he didn't get any type of, you know, discipline or anything like that. Uh, and then the Bruce Arian storyline just kind of got weird really quickly. But, you know, I was just glad to see that Marshawn Lattimore didn't end up with an unnecessary suspension out of all of it. It's a real head scratcher why Bruce Arians is out there on the sideline, even though he's not a coach. I, I don't understand it at all, right. but we'll kind of go outside of that. Christian McCaffrey currently expected to play after practicing fully. I believe that was on a Friday. I think he practiced, practiced fully on Thursday as well, but he's expected to play on Sunday versus the Saints. How big is that for Baker Mayfield and the Panthers, and how could that – kind of change some of the betting lines, which right now I know the Saints are are slight favorites in the contest. Yeah, I mean, you know, Christian McCaffrey, not one of the guys, surprisingly, that moves moves the line as much as you might think that he would, and maybe some of it just comes down to, you know, the, the inability to stay healthy over the course of these past couple of seasons. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, with Christian McCaffrey, the Carolina Panthers have their offense. Without Christian McCaffrey, they don't. Uh, you know, he's that much of a difference maker for them. He's going to be a guy that's going to touch the ball a ton, particularly over the first 15 scripted plays. He's going to be involved in the run game. They're going to get him you're involved in the passing game from a bunch of different places all over the offense. I mean, he'll be the guy that the offense will run through, and rightfully so. He, 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 very, you know, he very much should be. Uh, so, you know, I think that it's something that will have an impact on the game, even if it doesn't necessarily move the lines uh, very much. But they'll have an impact in this game for sure, and the Saints are going to be sure to be keying in. And they have really good – Really good, uh, you know, linebackers to help out in this situation. Demario Davis, Pete Werner's been awesome so far this season. So it's going to be a fun matchup to watch the same second level matchup with Christian McCaffrey throughout this one. What do you think is going to be the key to victory this Sunday for the Saints? Uh, score seventeen points. That seems to be uh, Matt Rule's uh, seems to be Matt Rule's kind of uh, dagger. You know, it's just kryptonite. He just can't beat teams that score seventeen or more points. He's one in twenty-five against those teams, but he's undefeated nine and zero against teams that score sixteen or less. Uh, on the opposition. So the New Orleans Saints average about 26.7 when they're road favorites since 2017. They won their last five, uh, including going five of six last year in, in games where they were, uh, you know, road favorites. So that includes games where, you know, they were down to second, third, fourth quarterbacks, uh, you know, throughout that. And so I think that the, the Saints, you know, sort of have the, the trends are pointing in the direction for them. And it seems to be that if they can just produce the offense, which would be, 
you know, hopefully so that they can get going early and find that rhythm, they should be able to walk away with a win here from Carolina. I got one more for you, Ross, before I let you go. This is a question that I meant to ask last week and I kind of forgot about it. And it's mm-hmm. about it's not about anything involving the game. So what I've been doing the last couple weekends is getting my run on. I'll get a morning run in before kickoff. And I've uh-huh. been having a Saints game day playlist rolling through. So my question to you is, No Limit Soldiers or Cash Money Millionaires? No Limit Soldiers. Yes. I mean, listen, I, I, No Limit Soldiers. Like, I, I like respect the cash money and everything, but like cash money was so much about like the individual stars, whereas No Limit was No Limit. Now, don't get me wrong, there was Master P and everything. I understand that. But like No Limit Soldiers was all about who they were as a group. And so if you're going to give me like one group over another group, I'll take No Limit Soldiers over – uh, over, um, you know, cash money records. And then, you know, if you, you want to, you know, go five or four boys over hot boys, then, you know, it's a different conversation, right? <laughs> like if it's the individual groups, stuff like that. But, but like label wise, I'll take no limit all day. Oh, I'd agree with you wholeheartedly there, Ross. Appreciate you coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week and enjoy the game tomorrow. Looking forward to it, buddy. I'll talk to you here soon. Stay safe, right? All right, Ross Jackson. You follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola for more of the Saints takes, maybe not as much of the takes on the rap world but i also say this we did manifest tyron matthew and jarvis juice landry leading the hoodat chant when i saw that tweet pop up from from my guy ross on sunday afternoon right before kick i was like we manifest this bad boy we talked about it. we we do this on under the dome with cd right here on the game 1037 live get a 1041 lake charles we got one final take here on southwest louisiana sports station we'll get to it next Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And man, oh man, my final take kind of goes back to what I was talking with earlier with our guy, Chris Gordy, part of Sports Talk 790 and Locked On SEC Podcast, was the Brian Harson conversation. Brian Harson, more likely than not, he loses to Mizzou tonight. He is getting fired tomorrow. That's just the way it feels. And to a certain extent, it's not even necessarily all of his fault. It's the fault of people that were previously at the helm. Because if you remember... Billy Napier was one of the guys that was considered for the job very heavily. Billy Napier eventually turned it down, more so because of the fact that we have this program, this team, decide to go ahead and say, you're not going to have your selection of head coaches. You're going to have your pool of guys. You're going to be the head coach. We're going to select the guys that we want in control. That's not how you do it. If you're the if you're the head of a program. So in my mind, Brian Harson shouldn't necessarily be entirely, keyword entirely, at fault here. I think it's more of a fact that you have somebody in control that's not necessarily in complete control of their program because of previous athletic directors helping or hurting their respective program. So if he gets fired tomorrow. It sucks for him, but at the same time, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that the Auburn Tigers 
are going to get better because they don't have the guys there that wanted to just work on their in-house guys and have their guys in mind for other positions. It's something that we are going to be talking about for a while. But in my mind, Brian Harson was set up absolutely to fail, and it's more because of the guys that were running Auburn from the higher-up perspective rather than the guy that's the head coach. Obviously, the head coach is going to get a lot of the blame, but I think it's more of the internal factors. It's a new era, and they want to really establish their new era. And if they screw this up again, then yeah, it's going to be a never-ending cycle of suck for the Auburn Tigers, a team that a few years ago looked like a damn good team. Remember 2019? That team looked good. But everybody else, every other year, it's just been a vortex of mid. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday morning and afternoon as well. We got Astros over on News Talk 98.5 with a 6.05 first pitch. Feels like the Superstation over on News Talk. But over here on the mothership, we got the LSU football game with kickoff at 6.30, pregame at 4.30. Chris Blair and crew will be on the call as always. You also have Hunt Palmer, Jeremy Hill and crew, Marlon Favorite. Hello, somebody doing the pregame show at 4.30. So for our guy D-Wit, I saw Miguez sneak his head into the studio for him as well. I'm Clint Doming, and this has been Under the Dome with CD. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Talk to you next week.